Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for the sermon this morning is our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 5. Now, Isaiah is a beautiful book, and if you read through it, you'll find any number of memorable verses in it, verses that we're very familiar with. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That's Isaiah 55, 8. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Isaiah 9.6 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7.14 But for all its beauty, the, the book of Isaiah packs a stern warning to the people of Israel and to God's people today. One of the themes of Isaiah is God's call for his people to turn from their wicked ways, to turn from following after other gods, to turn from their great sin and receive the forgiveness and the life that Yahweh their God offers them. Isaiah 1.3 says, The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 59.2 But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. In our in our text this morning, Isaiah says, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. Like, like Nathan the prophet who told King David a story so that David would convict himself, God wants Israel to see herself in Isaiah's song, in Isaiah's picture. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. God began planting his vineyard when he called Abraham to be the father of a nation. As God had told Abraham, Sarah conceived and bore Isaac, the son of promise. Isaac bore Jacob. And from Jacob came the twelve tribes of Israel. And they were enslaved there in Egypt and then delivered after four hundred years by the mighty hand of God. And there's a, a scene in Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments. As the nation is leaving Egypt, we see scene after scene of various family groups walking out together or riding in wagons, etc. And in one scene, we see an old man carrying a grapevine. Very symbolic. Very symbolic of the new life that God has in store. A, a wonderful life that God has for his people in the promised land. A land that is said to be flowing with milk and honey. The, the fertile hill referred to in Isaiah. 
what they find there in the promised land is a land full of wicked and idolatrous people. Peoples that that God intends to judge through the actions of his own people, clearing the land, conquering and destroying the people there. You see, God sets up a watchtower. He, He builds a wall. He builds a hedge around Israel to protect them from the evil influences of the ungodly people. He gives them his word in the writings of Moses. God describes and and has them build the tabernacle. He defines worship for them and institutes the sacrificial system so that the people have a way to repent and have their sins forgiven. God sets his people apart from all the other people of the world. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And the Hebrew word that is translated here as wild is beoshim. It means stinking, worthless. It yielded stinking, worthless grapes. God looked for Israel to bear good grapes, grapes that could be made into fine wine. God expected the fruit of faith from his people, but instead of faith and love, God finds Israel over and over again going after other gods, turning their backs on Yahweh who had planted them. Instead of justice, the Lord finds oppression. Instead of righteousness, violence. Through Isaiah, God writes to Israel and says, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield stinking, worthless grapes? And then come God's words of judgment on Israel and Judah. He's going to remove its hedge, break down its wall, It'll be trampled down, made into a waste. He's not going to prune or hoe it. He'll let the weeds grow up. He'll send no rain on it. Unfaithful and unfruitful, God will use the Assyrian army to uproot the pleasant planting. And we too should consider what God has done for us in our lives how he has tended us and carried us along, how he has instructed us in the faith and preserved our lives. One commentary asks if the fruit of our service matches the generosity of his nurture. And I think we'd have to answer no, it doesn't. Dr. Gregory Seltz, a one-time speaker of the Lutheran Hour, notes that Today we live in a selfie world. It's a world where where everything is about us. And it's easy to paint a rosy picture, isn't it? We update our Facebook page or text a picture of ourselves to our friends. Here I am doing this or that, and aren't I happy? Isn't this a great life I'm living in? Don't you wish you were me? And if there are pictures of ourselves we don't like, we throw them out and post only the best. 
but God sees into our hearts. He, he knows each of our failures. He hears every unkind word and perceives each self-centered thought. He knows our pride and the stinking worthless grapes that we produce. And God wants us to hear this morning his love song to us. That even though we deserve to have our hedge removed and our wall broken down, although we deserve to be abandoned by God for our sin, for the idolatry of putting ourselves first in our lives, yet God sings a love song to us, full of promise and hope and assurance. And it goes like this. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isaiah 1, 18. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah 9, 2. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isaiah 43, 1. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Isaiah 40, 11. Even through Israel's unfaithfulness, God remained faithful. He remained faithful to his promise to defeat Satan and destroy the power that sin has over us. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus produced the good fruit that was necessary to please God. He took our stinking worthlessness from us, and gave us his beautiful righteousness in its place. God's warning comes to Israel through Isaiah that earthly punishment for their sin is coming, but God's loving purpose is to drive them to repentance so that eternal punishment is not their final fate. Because God loves all men and would have all come to the knowledge of the truth. And that truth is this, that God in his great and steadfast love for you has sent his son to die for you, that in your baptism you have been crucified with Christ, that your sins have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west, that you are free to live for God, that the Holy Spirit that dwells in you is producing good grapes because it is God's vineyard, and he has done everything necessary for it, everything necessary for you. 
we recognize that we don't deserve God's love. By our own fruit, we never merit the mercy and grace of our Lord, but that's why it's called mercy, and that's why it's called grace. And that's how strong God's steadfast love is, that through all of history, God has been working salvation for you and for me, so that we, by His mercy and grace, and through the selfless and atoning work of Christ, have become part of Israel by faith have become his pleasant planting. We pray that God would use us in service to him, that our lives would sing God's love song to everyone who will listen, so that others might see the picture, not a selfie of us, but a picture of the selfless love of God, revealed in our Lord Jesus, who died and who rose also for them. In his name. Amen.